Today is September 21st. This is Verses in Flow. I'm Jennifer, your faithful guide and your girl on this journey through the Bible in a year. Welcome in, welcome back. Whether you are here on the day of release or you're catching up later, it does not matter to me. I am just glad that you are here joining me today. So let's just get right to it, shall we? Okay, so in our previous readings, we were exploring the incredible story of King Hezekiah in the book of Isaiah and how God showed up for him in a mighty way as a result of his fervent prayer. Now, you might remember this because we covered this story earlier this year. Today, we're going to continue our exploration of Hezekiah's journey and the powerful lessons that we can glean from it. And oh, are there many. We are going to see how if it ever comes down to it, if there is a choice between trusting God and trusting people, well, that's not even really a choice, is it? No, ma'am. No, sir. All right, let's get into this word. Let's see what God has for us and what it is that he wants from us today. Isaiah chapters 37 and 38, New International Version, Jerusalem's Deliverance Foretold. When King Hezekiah heard this, he tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and went into the temple of the Lord. He sent Eliakim, the palace administrator, Shebna, the secretary, and the leading priests, all wearing sackcloth, to the prophet Isaiah, son of Amoz. They told him, This is what Hezekiah says, This day is a day of distress and rebuke and disgrace, as when children come to the moment of birth and there is no strength to deliver them. It may be that the Lord your God will hear the words of the field commander, whom his master, the king of Assyria, has sent to ridicule the living God, and that he will rebuke him for the words the Lord your God has heard. Therefore, pray for the remnant that still survives. When King Hezekiah's officials came to Isaiah, Isaiah said to them, Tell your master, this is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid of what you have heard, those words with which the underlings of the king of Assyria have blasphemed me. Listen, when he hears a certain report, I will make him want to return to his own country, and there I will have him cut down with the sword. When the field commander heard that the king of Assyria had left Lachish, he withdrew and found the king fighting against Libna. Now Sennacherib received a report that Tirhaka, the king of Cush, was marching out to fight against him. When he heard it, he sent messengers to Hezekiah with this word, Say to Hezekiah, king of Judah, Do not let the God you depend on deceive you when he says, Jerusalem will not be given into the hands of the king of Assyria. Surely you have heard what the kings of Assyria have done to all the countries, destroying them completely. And will you be delivered? Did the gods of the nations that were destroyed by my predecessors deliver them? The gods of Gozan, Haran, Rezeph, and the people of Eden who were in Tel Asar? Where is the king of Hamath or the king of Arpad? Where are the kings of Lair, Sepharvaim, Hena, and Iva? Hezekiah's Prayer Hezekiah received the letter from the messengers and read it. Then he went up to the temple of the Lord and spread it out before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed to the Lord, Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, 
enthroned between the cherubim. You alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Give ear, Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, Lord, and see. Listen to all the words Sennacherib has sent to ridicule the living God. It is true, Lord, that the Assyrian kings have laid waste all these peoples and their lands. They have thrown their gods into the fire and destroyed them, for they were not gods, but only wood and stone fashioned by human hands. Now, Lord, our God, deliver us from his hand so that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you, Lord, are the only God. Sennacherib's fall. Then Isaiah, son of Amoz, sent a message to Hezekiah. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Because you have prayed to me concerning Sennacherib, king of Assyria, this is the word the Lord has spoken against him. Virgin daughter Zion despises and mocks you. Daughter Jerusalem tosses her head as you flee. Who is it you have ridiculed and blasphemed? Against whom have you raised your voice and lifted your eyes in pride against the Holy One of Israel? By your messengers, you have ridiculed the Lord. And you have said, with my many chariots, I have ascended the heights of the mountains, the utmost heights of Lebanon. I have cut down its tallest cedars, the choicest of its junipers. I have reached its remotest heights, the finest of its forests. I have dug wells in foreign lands and drunk the water there. With the soles of my feet, I have dried up all the streams of Egypt. Have you not heard? Long ago, I ordained it. In days of old, I planned it. Now I have brought it to pass that you have turned fortified cities into piles of stone. Their people, drained of power, are dismayed and put to shame. They are like plants in the field, like tender green shoots, like grass sprouting on the roof, scorched before it grows up. But I know where you are and when you come and go and how you rage against me. Because you rage against me and because your insolence has reached my ears, I will put my hook in your nose and my bit in your mouth, and I will make you return by the way you came. This will be the sign for you, Hezekiah. This year you will eat what grows by itself, and the second year what springs from that. But in the third year sow and reap, plant vineyards, and eat their fruit. Once more a remnant of the kingdom of Judah will take root below and bear fruit above. For out of Jerusalem will come a remnant, and out of Mount Zion a band of survivors. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Therefore, this is what the Lord says concerning the king of Assyria. He will not enter this city or shoot an arrow here. He will not come before it with shield or build a siege ramp against it. By the way that he came, he will return. He will not enter this city, declares the Lord. I will defend this city and save it for my sake and for the sake of David, my servant. Then the angel of the Lord went out and put to death a hundred and eighty-five thousand in the Assyrian camp. When the people got up the next morning, there were all the dead bodies. So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, broke camp and withdrew. He returned to Nineveh and stayed there. One day, while he was worshiping in the temple of his god Nisroch, his sons Adramelech and Sherezer killed him with the sword, and they escaped to the land of Ararat. And Esarhaddon his son succeeded him as king. Hezekiah's illness. In those days, Hezekiah became ill and was at the point of death. 
The prophet Isaiah, son of Amoz, went to him and said, This is what the Lord says. Put your house in order, because you are going to die, you will not recover. Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Remember, Lord, how I have walked before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion and have done what is good in your eyes. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Then the word of the Lord came to Isaiah. Go and tell Hezekiah, this is what the Lord, the God of your father David, says. I have heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will add 15 years to your life, and I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Assyria. I will defend this city. This is the Lord's sign to you that the Lord will do what he has promised. I will make the shadow cast by the sun go back the ten steps it has gone down on the stairway of Ahaz. So the sunlight went back the ten steps it had gone down. A writing of Hezekiah, king of Judah, after his illness and recovery. I said, In the prime of my life, must I go through the gates of death and be robbed of the rest of my years? I said, I will not again see the Lord himself in the land of the living. No longer will I look on my fellow man or be with those who now dwell in this world. Like a shepherd's tent, my house has been pulled down and taken from me. Like a weaver, I have rolled up my life, and he has cut me off from the loom. Day and night, you made an end of me. I waited patiently to dawn, but like a lion, he broke all my bones. Day and night, you made an end of me. I cried like a swift or thrush. I moaned like a mourning dove. My eyes grew weak as I looked to the heavens. I am being threatened. Lord, come to my aid. But what can I say? He has spoken to me, and he himself has done this. I will walk humbly all my years because of this anguish of my soul. Lord, by such things, people live, and my spirit finds life in them too. You restored me to health and let me live. Surely it was for my benefit that I suffered such anguish. In your love, you kept me from the pit of destruction. You have put all my sins behind your back. For the grave cannot praise you. Death cannot sing your praise. Those who go down to the pit cannot hope for your faithfulness. The living, the living they praise you. As I am doing today, parents tell their children about your faithfulness. The Lord will save me and we will sing with stringed instruments all the days of our lives in the temple of the Lord. Isaiah had said, Prepare a poultice of figs and apply it to the boil, and he will recover. Hezekiah had asked, What will be the sign that I will go up to the temple of the Lord? Galatians 6, Doing Good to All Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else, for each one should carry their own load. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life.
Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers, not circumcision, but the new creation. See what large letters I use as I write to you with my own hand? Those who want to impress people by means of the flesh are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Not even those who are circumcised keep the law, yet they want you to be circumcised that they may boast about your circumcision in the flesh. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is the new creation, peace and mercy to all who follow this rule to the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers and sisters. Amen. Psalm 65 for the director of music, a psalm of David, a song. Praise awaits you, our God in Zion. To you, our vows will be fulfilled. You who answer prayer, to you all people will come. When we were overwhelmed by sins, you forgave our transgressions. Blessed are those you choose and bring near to live in your courts. We are filled with the good things of your house, of your holy temple. You answer us with awesome and righteous deeds, God our Savior, the hope of all the ends of the earth and of the farthest seas, who formed the mountains by your power, having armed yourself with strength, who stilled the roaring of the seas, the roaring of their waves, and the turmoil of the nations." The whole earth is filled with awe at your wonders. Where morning dawns, where evening fades, you call forth songs of joy. You care for the land and water it. You enrich it abundantly. The streams of God are filled with water to provide the people with grain. For so you have ordained it. You drench its furrows and level its ridges. You soften it with showers and bless its crops. You crown the year with your bounty and your carts overflow with abundance. The grasslands of the wilderness overflow. The hills are clothed with gladness. The meadows are covered with flocks and the valleys are mantled with grain. They shout for joy and sing. Proverbs 23 verse 24. The father of a righteous child has great joy. A man who fathers a wise son rejoices in him. Okay, so there is this part in Isaiah, this part about Hezekiah that I want to talk about. And I wanted to talk about it earlier this year when we covered it, but I think I was talking about something else or I didn't have time, so I didn't get to it. So today, Hezekiah was facing two existential threats, an invasion by the Assyrian army, which had already conquered most of the surrounding nations and was laying siege to Jerusalem, and terminal illness. When Hezekiah got the news his life was ending, he turned to the wall and wept, pleading, praying to the Lord for mercy. Can y'all feel his pain? I know I could because many of us have been there faced with maybe not losing our lives, but losing life as we know it overwhelmed by fear of the unknown. What is life going to look like without this person or that job or this home or that relationship or 
with this child moving away or that child coming home or this knee or that hip or these teeth or that hair. Y'all know what I'm saying? It all matters. And we can go crazy with worry about how it's all going to work out. Or we can turn to the wall. Check what happens when Hezekiah cries out to God. Those tears turn the tide. Hezekiah said, now look, Lord, I have been faithful. I've been devoted. I have worshiped you with my whole heart. I have been good. And then look what the Lord did. The Lord sends a new word. He says, you know what, Hez? I hear you. I see you. And I feel you. I see your tears. And I am giving you 15 more years. Boom. God saw his tears and had compassion. He gave him more time to live, more peace to enjoy, more victory to celebrate, because he also told him he was going to conquer them Assyrians. They were not going to be a problem for him. Listen, don't tell me God is not moved by our prayers. There is power when our humanity and divinity collide or coincide, however you want to see it or however you want to put it. Prayer is a powerful tool, maybe the most powerful tool we have for moving God to act in our favor. Prayer is not only a way of communicating with God, but a way of cooperating with God. Don't sleep on prayer or fall asleep praying. I told y'all a few weeks back that I'm trying to get more creative and strategic with my prayers because prayer is not only a way of expressing our needs and desires and our wants, but it's a way of aligning our will with God's will. It's a way of asking for God's help and intervention, but not even just that. It's a way of acknowledging God's sovereignty and his authority just by nature of the fact that we are going to him in prayer. We do that. And I need him to know how bad I need him. I am not out here trying to do this by myself because I tried that before and there was hell to pay. Can I can I say that? Because that's what it felt like. I don't mean to offend anybody. So I'm reading books on prayer. I'm borrowing prayers. People be telling me what they're asking God for. And I'm like, oh, I am adding that to my list. I hope you don't mind. So don't tell me what you're praying for if you don't want me to steal it. Because I'm going to be praying for the same thing if it lines up with what's going on in my life. And I try to come up with specific prayers for y'all and being specific prayers for my personal life. Because what we need as a collective and what we need individually is two different things. And I... At one point, I thought because I was praying over here on this podcast, that was enough. And it was decidedly not enough. But back to the main point, when we pray to God, we are not trying to change his mind or manipulate his actions, but rather we are inviting him to work in us and through us according to his good and perfect will. We are opening ourselves to his grace, to his power, and we're allowing him the latitude and the leverage to transform us and our circumstances or to transform us in our circumstances for his glory and our good. We are trusting him to do what is best for us, even, and this is the hard part, even if it's different from what we expect or want. And this is what Hezekiah did when he prayed to God in his distress. He didn't demand or bargain with God. He appealed to God's mercy and faithfulness, reminding God of how he, Hezekiah, had walked with him. He didn't question or doubt God's power or his wisdom. 
but he praised God. He praised his works. He praised him for his promises. And he didn't complain. He didn't, he didn't resent God. He didn't resent his will or his plan, but he decided to thank God for his grace and his compassion. And as a result, God responded favorably to his request. This is what God can do for us when we pray to him in faith and humility and with belief. He can move in ways that we cannot imagine or anticipate. He can do more than we ask or think according to his power that is at work within us. So bring your mess, bring your messiness, bring everything to God. Your doubt, your anger, your weeping, your pain, your suffering. He can handle it. Don't be afraid to pour out your deepest pain and longings and desires do like David did he already knows what we're going through and what we want anyway those raw prayers they touch God's heart now does he say yes to every request no his ways are higher but he is near to the brokenhearted and he does extend mercy to all who call on him in truth our pain moves his compassion if we take it to him. But I want to unpack that even further because no, God does not always say yes when we pray, but he does always answer our prayers in the best way possible. The Bible tells us that God is sovereign, he is wise, he is loving, and he is faithful. He knows everything that happens in the past, everything that is happening right now in the present, and he knows what's going to happen in the future. He knows what is best for us and what will bring him the most glory. He loves us and wants us to have a relationship with him. We don't do that without communication. He is faithful to his promises and his plans. The Bible also tells us that we are the complete opposite of what God is. We are sinful. We are foolish at times. We are finite and we are needy. We often don't even know what we really need or want. We ask for stuff that isn't good for us or good for the people around us. And we often have wrong motives or expectations when we pray. We may not be aware of it, but it doesn't change the fact that that's the truth. And then we often doubt or disobey God's will and his word and be praying something that is not even in alignment with that. Therefore, when we pray to God, how about this? We should not expect him to always say yes to our requests, nor should we, and this is hard, nor should we want him to, but we should trust him to always answer our prayers according to his will and his wisdom. That's so much better than just saying yes to whatever we want. What if we gave our kids everything they asked us for? Would that be good for them? Absolutely not. But our kids, they don't know when we're telling them no, why we're telling them no. You know, they don't have the experience or the insight or the foresight that we have to know that what they're asking for is really not good for them, right? So so sometimes he may say yes and grant us what we ask for. Sometimes he may say no and deny us what we ask for. Sometimes he may say wait and delay his answer until the right time. When God says yes to our prayers, it's usually because he wants to bless us or give us more, something more significant than what we've asked for. He has promised never to leave us, never to forsake us, and to answer our prayers according to his will, according to Psalm 145, 18.
18, I think it is. When God says yes to our prayers, we should thank him and praise him for his goodness and his generosity. That's the only response. Yes or no, that's the response. When God says no to our prayers, it's probably because he wants to protect us or teach us something more valuable than what we've asked for. That's what I believe. He's warned us not to ask for anything that is contrary to his will or harmful to ourselves or others. That's according to James 4.3. When God says no to our prayers, we should just accept his answer and trust him. Trust him because he is wise and he is loving. When God says wait, it's usually because he wants to prepare us or test us for something much better than the things we've asked for. He has taught us to be patient and persistent in prayer and to not lose heart or faith. When God says wait to whatever it is that we are asking him for, we should do just that. And that's hard, but we can do hard things according to all my palace and instructors. So just to wrap this up, God doesn't always say yes when we pray, but he does always answer our prayers in the best way possible. Don't forget that. That's the key. That's the takeaway. That's the lesson for today. He knows what we need better than we do. And he gives us what we need more than what we want. He answers our prayers according to his will, which is good. It is pleasing and it is perfect. So we should pray with confidence and humility, asking for his will to be done. That's the prayer for his will to be done in our lives and in the world. We should pray with gratitude and joy, celebrating, never forgetting to celebrate, thanking him for what he's done and what he's going to do for us. When life turns upside down, don't pull away. Don't withdraw. Don't isolate. Don't alienate. Don't seclude yourself. Run into the arms of God and let it out. He is able to handle all your anguish, all your despair, all your frustration, all your sadness, all your suffering. Take it to him first, not last. Let prayer be your reflex, not your last resort. And on that, let's pray. Gracious and loving God, Lord, we come to you today with hearts filled with gratitude for the truths that we continue to encounter in your word each day. Lord, it just it just gives us what we need. You are the source of all wisdom. You are the source of all understanding. And we just thank you for the revelations that you just continue to show us in your word as we close this time of exploration and reflection. Lord, we just humbly bow before you, acknowledging our dependence on your grace and your guidance. Lord, we are so grateful for the example of Hezekiah who turned to you in prayer, pouring out his heart and seeking your mercy. Lord, may we too find the courage to approach you with vulnerability, trusting that all that you want for us is the best for us. Lord, we pray that you would grant us the strength and wisdom to face the uncertainties of life with unwavering faith. Help us to remember that you are the author of our stories and in your hands is where we find hope and purpose. Teach us to trust in your divine timing and to embrace your plans for our lives. And Lord, as we navigate 
the complexities of our existence. We ask for your discernment. Give us wisdom to make choices that align with your will and the courage to follow them all the way through. Help us to bear one another's burdens, to restore and support one another in love, just as you have done for us. Lord, we lift up these prayers, our prayers for healing, for deliverance, for peace, for restoration, for reconciliation. Lord, hear the cries of our hearts, whatever they are, and bring comfort to all of those who are in need. Lord, may your grace abound and may your peace envelop us in every circumstance and situation. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and all the people of God said together, amen. And our affirmation for today God is not punishing me. He is fighting on my behalf. God is not punishing me. He is fighting on my behalf. And our aphorism, asking for anything is allowed with the understanding that God's answers come from God's perspective. They are not always in harmony with our expectation for only he knows the whole story. That is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for being on this spiritual safari with me. You belong here and we belong together on this journey. I love you. And if God says the same, I'll be right here tomorrow waiting for you.